Money Sense is brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group, four-time recipient of the Better Business Bureau Torch Award for business ethics and integrity. Ellen Becker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com and listen to Money Sense Saturdays at 2 and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Christina Schnuckel. I'm a wealth advisor at Ellen Becker Investment Group. Ellen Becker Investment Group is located in Pewaukee, just north of I-94, between Highway 164 and Highway F in Ridgeview Corporate Park, and in the village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank Building, across from Winkies. We also service clients in Bonita Springs, Florida. Visit ellenbecker.com for more details. My guest today is Julie Dipel, and we are talking about the idea of global mobile living. Julie, what, is that, what does that mean to you? Global mobile living is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle choice of many, if not most, human beings on the planet, to be honest. It's simply a label that helps to define what someone or a group of people might be doing that are on extended, let's call it holiday for now because it's how we typically think of things, but living a life that is one of mobility, global access, and a variety of things that you typically do while you're living, taking classes, participating, maybe imbuing yourself into the community. Very neat. I've heard you talk about it as a choice in lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And I find that really fascinating because one of the things we're always talking to clients about is what is your money for? What did you work all those years for? And what's that lifestyle that you want to try to achieve in retirement? You know, I've definitely noticed a shift in the last couple of years that our retirees are more mobile. They are traveling the world. They maybe came from families where their parents never left the country, and now they've visited 10, 15, 20 countries in the last couple of years and are really kind of looking at retirement in a very different way than I think traditionally we've always looked at it. You know, retirement in the past has been you stop working. That's what retirement means. But now, you know, with this global mobile living idea, it can really mean so much more. Absolutely. Humans are not trees, right? No, we are not trees. (laughs) Yet we are most effective when we're able to personally establish some roots. Um, In fact, most of all human souls prefer having what we call a home or a base camp, as we refer to it in Global Mobile Living. So when we're retired, we've already spent all of our time building a family, raising a family, working for a lifestyle, saving. And finally, we have a chance to look around us and say, what do I want? And the world is your oyster. Where do I want to go? What do I want to do? How do I want to invest my time? Who do I want to do it with? What do I want to see and learn? There are so many choices out there. Julie, how did you really discover this idea of global mobile living? Because I know you had a a career in corporate America, essentially. So it's not like you were doing this all through your your life, essentially. How did did this become such a passion for you? Well, 
Like most people, I spent a lot of time traveling for pleasure. And those trips, because I was working full-time, had to be contained to, say, a long weekend or maybe a week, or if I was really feeling frisky, a couple of weeks at a time. Right. It's really hard to take off that much time during your working career. Absolutely. And with families, you many of us are raising families, so you can't really keep the kids out of school, or let's say it's not as practical. Yes, it's frowned upon. <laughs> yes. So once I personally retired, I found that that passion for travel and mobility were exponentially stoked. I was just tickled by it. I had saved plenty of money. I have a great financial advisor. And I was able to start prioritizing how did I want my freedom to look like? So what has that freedom looked like for you? Share a little bit Mm -hmm. of your story. Well, we retired, both my husband and I, in 2019. And we decided that we really wanted to spend some time doing a variety of things, not just one thing. And at first, I do feel that retiring feels like you're on the edge of a cliff and ready to jump off it. And you think, holy mackerel, did I do the right thing? Am I going to keep me busy enough? Well, the funny thing is, if you talk to most retirees after the first year, they're plenty busy. Yes. Sometimes, though, they build their time with more structure locally than what they realized they really wanted. So we, we, in advance of that, had seen many couples make mistakes like that and just didn't want to get involved in too many local activities right away. So we bought a, a camper at the time, and we own plenty of timeshares, and we love the Airbnb circuit, and we also enjoy boutique hotels. And I'm very interested in sort of communal living, where you go to places where there is large groups with common interests engaging in that activity. So there's so many ways to travel. And cruising, We, you and I have talked, cruising and all the different ways to vacation come into play. So with this initial RV, we started building trips that were camping timeshares, Airbnbs, and we started testing how long could we stay out. Well, while we were out there in the world traveling, and mostly in the U.S., because we weren't shipping our vehicle anywhere yet, so we realized the camper kept us in the campgrounds, but the Airbnbs allowed us some freedom to even leave our camper somewhere and Uber to another place and spend time. Then we realized we could take these fractional ownership sailing trips. So the combination allowed us to be out for months at a time, honestly. And while we were out, we were trying new activities from getting scuba dive certified to salsa lessons to learning a new language to... Uh, I Well, now I take all sorts of classes all over the place because I'm very fascinated. Your retirement sounds amazing <laughs> uh, with all of those things. Those are all things I want eventually built into my retirement. Um, was it overwhelming at first, that first trip where you set out to try and see how long you could stay out? 
um, what were the things you what were the things that maybe caused some stress or did you realize that they once you were there that it wasn't really as important as you thought it was going to be you're right there was stress <laughs> the biggest thing that I found that was made it difficult was transitioning and packing so transitioning meaning loading and unloading packing and unpacking our suitcase having the right gear that made it very difficult to go out for a couple of months then come back then go out again we had longer layovers and so I found that developing systems is critically important second but number one is understanding yourself more than anything and I can tell you a couple of cute stories about that so one story about understanding yourself we were out camping and we met another couple they were long-termers or full-timers as they call it out there and so they were out in a camper van well, for her birthday, her husband, and granted, camper vans, you have maybe 480 square feet of living space, mm -hmm. and they were full-timers, so maybe they had a storage bin. Now, this isn't the norm out there, but these are some of the silly things you run into. For her birthday, he was an avid golfer. She was a bicyclist. But for her birthday, he wanted her to share his interests, so he gifted her a full set of golf clubs. So this sounds like a present for him. <laughs> so this took up their bathroom. Now, can you imagine being a full timer in a van? That's tough to believe anyway, with moving two sets of golf clubs every time you need a private moment. <laughs> <laughs> so knowing yourself is an important aspect of engaging in the global mobile living space. Space. Absolutely. It seems like that would be top of the list. And I bet you learned quite a bit about yourself on those first couple trips out. Yes. And it's helpful to know what you like and dislike because then you know what gear to bring. And depending on when you're traveling, if you're going to live out of suitcases for a couple of months, that's a different way to pack than if you're going to live out of, say, a sprinter van or if you're going to do short-term snippets within a two-month trip, you need a lot more efficiency in your packing than you do if you're going to stay long-term at one location. Those are sort of elemental aspects, correct? Those are elemental, yes. Yeah. The big question becomes, what type of gear do you need to be personally comfortable and satisfied for a couple of months? How many books does that include? Kindles are great, so that's a help there. But are you a writer? Are you a painter? Do you have other hobbies you want to take along with you? And music. A lot of people like their instruments. So knowing yourself well and having that be your number one step is very important. And being very honest with who you are. If you're traveling with someone else, understanding personal space requirements within your lodging is another aspect. All makes sense to me. <laughs> well, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in just a little bit. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Christina Schnuckel. My guest today is Julie Dival, and we have been talking about global mobile living and this idea that we're not trees. We're made to be moving around. Julie, did you 
global mobile living did you did you create this idea or where did this come from Absolutely not. I'm simply a facilitator, a harvester of people's goals and dreams. And then someone like you, a professional in the financial planning, helps them finance that, understand what the costs are around it. Um, I simply observed a trend, coupled it with my own deepest desires, and labeled this trend, global mobile living. It certainly seems self-explanatory from there on out. Um, and immobilizing, as we've talked about before, is really important in all segments of the population, but especially retirees. Yeah, it is. I mean, we've seen that firsthand with some of our clients who've been with us for 30 plus years that with the aging process, obviously some things are out of your control, but a lot of it are clients that have stayed mobile. Yes. Who've challenged themselves, who've learned new things, who've picked up new hobbies. Those are the ones that have stayed the healthiest into retirement. Um, you know, we we often say that um, to have a successful retirement, you need to retire to something, not just from something. So, I mean, we all think about this of I'm going to stop working someday. I'm retiring from being an accountant. I'm retiring from being a teacher. But what are you retiring to? And, you know, what is, how is that going to enrich your life? Mm-hmm. Well, there's an, an adage that we, we say about retirees. There's a three segments of retiree lifestyle. The go-go, which is we're get up and go. We're young. We're retired. We have our resources. There's the go slow, where they slow down. It's not as easy to pack up and go. And then the no-go, where... We're happy just staying home. We love our bed. We love our bidet. We don't want to lose those creature comforts. Absolutely. So in the go-go world, there are five aspects of living that I think drive this mobility and drive the passion within the individuals to go do something and see something. One is curiosity. We finally have a chance in retirement to learn about the things that will never bring us money in life, but will satisfy our desire to answer some questions we've always pondered, whether they're historic or logistic or creative questions or spiritual questions. There's so many areas that you can investigate. Absolutely. And we so often don't have time to pursue those passions during our working careers. Um, You know, as a busy mom of three, And Mm -hmm. I love my job. I love spending time with my kids. But I often find at the end of the day, there isn't much time left for me to explore some of those passions and those those things that we want to learn about and kind of enrich ourselves. Exactly. Another aspect of life is relevance. You're feeling probably quite relevant right now while you're busy with three kids. You've got to run from the career to get the kids' activities, there's not a lot of time to not feel relevant because you're immersed in the busiest season of life. Yeah, you're needed. Yes, but in retirement, we sort of face this white slate that says you can do anything you want today and every day from here on out. Now what? And it's scary. And when you ask the deeper questions of your own self, you start to say, ooh, I still want to feel relevant in life. I do believe that travel helps us engage in life. We learn our, and stems from our curiosity satisfaction, and then we can stay relevant by 
teaching what we learn or plugging into areas we never thought we might be engaged in. Another area is discovery. We all love adventure. Everyone loves adventure. Even It's just that you want safety too. So once you've hit retirement it's, and your it, financial advisor has told you you're free to go, <laughs> then it's wonderful to say, oh, we've carved out this section of our lives for sheer adventure. What do we want to do? What do we want to explore? And then expansion. To serve humanity, which is everybody's desire, I believe, once they have their needs met, we can expand by being exposed to different cultures, to exposed to different needs in areas, to see things we didn't even know existed or understand conflicts in lands we never thought of. And the final thing is migration. Naturally, we humans, as we get older, do not want to be in the cold. So you see a lot of migration, snowbirding, and that snowbirding in not just Florida and Arizona, which are the common places for United States citizens, but we see people living and migrating to Central America, to Portugal, to South America, where there are no hostilities, of course. Mm-hmm. But, and it's not uncommon. Mexico is a common one now. Yeah, we've we've got quite a few clients who are migrating mm-hmm. essentially to places like Mexico, whereas you're right prior years, prior decades, it was Arizona or Florida. Yep. Now it seems to be kind of um, a more adventurous spirit out there. Yes. Um, some of that, I think, comes with technology and being able to access it in lots of different places when even going back years, um, decades, you know, that just wasn't available. I actually, I, uh, my husband and I were just joking because I had to remind my mother that she had cell service when she traveled to <laughs> Nevada. It's okay. Your, your cell phone will work there, too. Whereas, you know, a decade ago, that wasn't the case. You were disconnected. Well, and we're seeing global mobile living within the working group as well, especially working without children in school because of Starlink, which gives you net network anywhere. Um, it's satellite-based network. So it's common to run in when we're out and about. It's common to run into people who are reserving Airbnbs for a month because they're staying, say, in Costa Rica. They know what their link is, and they're going to work from there. We see it a lot. Absolutely. It's funny that you mentioned Costa Rica. Um, we had an opportunity to travel there a couple years ago, and we met a couple on the beach yep. that um, they were both therapists, and they had li- they had actually picked up and moved from the States to Costa Rica and said, as long as we can continue to work remote, we're going to continue doing this, working in paradise on our own terms until we need to come back to the States, you know, maybe when we, you know, need closer medical attention or we're part of those those slower years, the slowdown years. Yes, I would agree. You brought up a great point for retirees is the medical attention. One of the things that we have been adamant about in our own life, my husband and I, is maintaining a solid base camp. One of the reasons is we love our community, but another one is medical attention and and just personal services. We it's not uncommon for us to go out for one, two, or even three months. We've yet to go out beyond the three-month mark, but I know many people who spend six months in one place and six months in another. Um, but for us, we come back to, and we're in Wisconsin, come back to our area for all of our medical care and medical appointments. We just cluster them in a certain parts of the year. And dental care, all of the services, even hair care and and 
more personal services like that. Wonderful. So you're able to kind of schedule that around uh, getting good haircuts and (laughs) all the things that that make us, you know, happy in life. Absolutely. Absolutely. A good example of that is most women in retirement will transition from maybe colored hair to gray hair, a more natural style. It's really helpful to have your own stylist to help you with that. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Good. Well, we're going to take a short break and we'll be back with more with Julie after the break. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Christina Schnuckel. My guest today is Julie Dival, and we have been talking about this idea, this lifestyle of global mobile living. Before the break, Julie, you were talking a little bit about some of the things that would help you be successful as you kind of transition into retirement. One of them being this idea of knowing yourself. Yep. Which is, I think, so important. And, but also this idea of having a base camp. Yes. Now, you are the first person I've heard use the term base camp outside of, I think I read a book about Mount Everest once that talked about base camp. (laughs) Tell me what base camp means to you as part of this global mobile living lifestyle. Thank you for asking that because base camp is an important aspect of being able to travel and transition easily, I believe. Um, Base camp is where you declare a space your own and... Uh, you declare that you're going to keep all your base needs there. One of the things that we'll, we realized during COVID was that if there is a situation that happens that is a global emergency, that is a, a even a, just a national emergency, it's very fulfilling to have a place to go where it's your home where it's your place to rest, to recuperate, to you're familiar with every aspect of it. You have supplies there that you want. Um, So some of the considerations that we feel are important through the global mobile living lifestyle is having a base camp that is safe and secure. That now this is unique to everyone, Uh, But most of the people that we've interviewed so far, there are some full-time mobilized people, but a lot of people will take, have two base camps, especially with the low interest rates of the last 10, 20 years. You've been able to have a low interest rate mortgage, so many people own multiple homes. Now, that was never of interest to my husband and I because we like to go so many more other places. And one of the traps in owning multiple properties is that you have to care for them, stock them, make sure they're maintained. Um, an idle property just doesn't look very good after a few months. Uh, yeah. It gets ravaged. But also a question is, how do you like to relax and recharge? We find that because we're on the go so much when we're out and about, that when we get back to base camp, we really love to rest. I've created a spa wing in in a portion of our three-bedroom split ranch, and that spa wing has everything I need to rest, relax, receive massages, do everything I like for personal care. And it's been a helpful to recharge. And it's also been helpful when we're out and about in the world because I think, well, I don't need a soaking tub in that location or I don't necessarily need that because I know when we go home, we can relax and have that. 
Um, another one is understanding who you are specifically from an activity level when you're on the road versus when you're not. Um, some people love being in a warm climate when they're at base camp, regardless of the season. If it's hot, it's hot. They don't care. So Arizona is a real popular place for senior base camps, I've noticed, because it's easy to travel from there. It's an international area, and it's also warm all year round. Um, and what amenities do you want in your in your base camp? Does it need a swimming pool, or is it better to just have a lovely back patio that you can relax in? Do you want access to city life when you're resting or would you like a more rural or would you like a suburban existence um, I've seen many seniors sell their suburban homes once the kids are launched and move into the city because they want to be able to walk around and and enjoy city life absolutely how much room do you need in your base camp um, do you have many possessions are you a collector of things or are you comfortable with a smaller apartment so you can close or condominium so you can close it up and leave? Um, what proximity do you want to grandchildren? Do you not have grandchildren? Are you a university lifestyle person? Boston's a beautiful place for that with 59 universities in the city. Um, are you West Coast, East Coast? So there's a lot of considerations with base camp. Yeah, I suppose your comment about kind of knowing yourself really is helpful with finding base camp and where you want that to be. You know, we often talk here about what charges your battery. Yes. You know, some people's batteries are recharged by peace, sing yes. it at home, reading a book. Other people's batteries are charged by being part of the city life, getting out into a busy city. Um, so that's a that's a real piece of it too. Yes. Organization is another aspect that I find to be an important criteria. I do think going through, and you'll find this with a lot of retirees, I'm sure, that they they will spend the first few months, six months, maybe a couple of years in some cases, clutter clearing, getting rid of old things that don't bring value. That streamlined life is essential to a life of global mobile living. And I find that because you can't bring everything you want, so knowing what you really value. And then when you transition from base camp, being able to unpack and pack easily is extremely helpful. That downsizing and streamlining, I think, is a really important piece of retirement. I hear it from so many of our retirees that they held on to things thinking that their kids were going to want them. And in reality, their kids don't. It's often things like China, which uh, I know Karen's told a story on the air here about how she had all this beautiful China that she thought she was going to pass on to her kids. And they said, if it can't go in the microwave or the dishwasher, we don't want it. Absolutely. So Silver. Silver, absolutely. So many of those things that um, I think we think that we need. You know, we set up a rule many years ago in our family um, after moving my grandfather and having, he must have saved everything he ever touched in 50 years, n wasted nothing, kept everything. And we just said, you know what, if we haven't touched it in a year, it gets donated or sold. And um, you learn really what you actually need and what you don't need. Absolutely. When you go through that downsizing thing, which I'm sure is part of the global mobile living, I personally would find that really freeing of saying, okay, I lived out of a, we lived out of a sprinter van for a month and a half. All of these things I thought I needed to be happy, 
I really didn't. Yes, yes. And the more you take with you, or even at home, we have seen, we sold that camper I spoke of earlier, and we have downsized to a sprinter van for our mobile side of life because it's easier. We can be off the grid, on the grid. We can be, we can ship it easily. We can keep all of our creature comforts, but with a smaller vehicle, we have less things. And it was helpful to go through Marie Kondo's method of clutter clearing, feng shui, Mm -hmm. which is another method of clearing clutter. Um, Many, many tools are out there, and that's the beauty of it. Everything we need is that we need to resource is on the internet. So we don't have to own books and books and books. Although yes, many of us love books because you can write in them and there is a sacred aspect to pen to paper. However, there are also resources you don't need to drag along with you that can be much easier online. For sure. How did you really make the determination those first couple trips out that you took of what was necessity and what wasn't? Well, that's a good question. It's, it's intention, really understanding, and this is the, a big part of the harvesting process before you launch. We, we have some terms we use like launching or bouncing. Bouncing is being at base camp for less than three days, three days or less, I should say. And that means you've got to shuffle between. So that requires systems to know how to get the laundry done, how to get the, and knowing what you need for the trips. Understanding your intention before you travel and when you're living is a critical success factor to understanding the tools that you need. I love wide open spaces so that I can, and, and white canvases so that I can start fresh. And so each trip, we're we're leaving for a month in Belize in November is all Belize. And now as we explore this trip, we want to do birding because there's a free Merlin app that you can use to identify any bird and then call them into you. So now we've got all these beautiful rainforest birds and that we can identify and communicate with. So we want to spend time in the Mayan pyramids because I'm fascinated by history now that I'm getting older. (laughs) And then we want to be on the sea because there's a beautiful big hole that is the big blue hole that's out there that you can swim out of in front of. And it's a 400-foot drop. And it's a fascinating natural phenomena that we want to explore. So understanding your intention for that trip and honestly your intention for the last segment of your life. Yeah. Wow. I think we're going to have to have you back on the show after that Belize trip so we can hear all about it. But we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with more in just a few minutes. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Christina Schnuckel. I'm here with Julie Dybul, and we have been talking about global mobile living. And I've always felt like I've had the travel bug, Julie, but right now I feel like I need to get a trip booked after (laughs) hearing you talk about your next trip, your next road trip that you're taking, which is to Belize. And you used a term that you said uh, when you're on grid or off grid. What does living off the grid look like when you're doing this type of mobile lifestyle? And 
Has there ever been a time where you haven't felt safe living off the grid? Excellent question, because the first question you asked was, what is the difference between off-grid and on-the-grid? And I I mentioned the Starlink before. Now, we don't take that Starlink equipment with us when we travel to another country, typically. And when you mentioned we'd be on the road, to clarify, this is a suitcase trip. So we're living out of a, a specialized packing system that we utilize for these trips. And so off the grid means we don't have access to a lot of Wi-Fi all the time. We are off the grid, meaning we are not connected. Do I feel safe? Well, I have felt unsafe before, and I'll give you an example. When we did take the Sprinter van down to Mexico, um, we weren't real familiar with driving through Mexico or the Sea Accord, the Baja. Um, and during that time, my husband was very nervous. He's like, Julie, you've got us out here off the grid. We're camping in, va- in these remote locations, and we have no Wi-Fi service. What about this? This is pre-Starlink. And... Uh, I don't, you know, as a female, I don't, and I've had my husband around me for a long time, I don't feel unsafe oftentimes. But I will say when he said, you know, I I don't have my carry permit for Mexico, I really started thinking, gosh, we could be, you know, we could be attacked and Mm -hmm. strewn across the desert and no one would be the wiser because we don't have cell service and we usually allow our family members to know when we're off the grid and when we'll be expected to be back on. So that was the first time I ever felt a little anxious about it. Um, But I would say normally we don't feel anxious at all. And actually, many, many places are safer than downtown in the United States. And I'll say downtown America anywhere because there are there are guns everywhere in the United States, whereas in many other countries there aren't mm-hmm. as many personally owned weapons. Very interesting. So the safety factor is something to be considered. Consider it. In fact, let me just say now around the globe, as you know, there's a lot of hate going on, a lot of hate, and it shows up in war and conflict. And there's only the other opposite is love. So if we go out there, and this is my belief, with a heart full of love, a heart full of love, then there's no room for hate. And I know we have to be careful. You can Google at any time travel advisories. And at any point, in fact, if you looked right now and Google travel advisories around the globe, you will see so much warning for many, 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 Mm -hmm. many countries, which leads me to this safety aspect I'd like to talk about. But are we ready for that yet? Yeah. No, I would love to hear about the safety aspect. You know, as someone, um, I was supposed to be leaving for a big trip and canceled it out of safety. Um, It was going to the Middle East. It's not the time to be traveling. Um, It's, it's you know, my heart's just breaking for what's going on over there right now. Um, But safety always is a concern. And But I'm with you, Julie. I think when you approach new experiences and new cultures with that, um, the questioning, wanting to understand and returning it with love, um, you know, that's that's what we need to be putting out there. Yes, I agree. And cultures, the, 
the diversity of cultures is something we really want to sustain. In fact, um, I believe there's a quote by Eleanor Roosevelt that stated that, remember always that you have not only the right to be an individual, you have an obligation to be one. You cannot make any useful contribution in life unless you live as an individual. And Eleanor Roosevelt was someone who I was have been immersed in most of my life, but I recently took a, spent some time out in upstate New York, and her estate there, Val Kill, which is the only home she ever owned personally, so it's very dear to her, and so many of our global contacts went there to spend time with Eleanor, and she was so well-respected and made such a big difference in the United Nations through her campaign for the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, which this is their 75th anniversary. And what this Declaration of Human Rights says, well, let me state this, there were zero no's for the voting of this right to be to be um, captured. There were zero no's. In That's the, amazing. <laughs> the Middle East was the one that simply abstained, and, and certainly some other countries, abstained for voting this declaration into recognition. But all of the others were yays. Yes, pass it. So it was, um, it was adopted um, by the General Assembly and uh, and it was in 1948, I believe, but it's 30 articles that state that all human beings are born free and equal in dignity and rights. They are endowed with reason and conscience and should act towards one another in a spirit of brotherhood. That's Article 1, but it goes on to even go deeply into how personality is individualized, how the importance of recognizing individualization and respecting one another and living with more of an openness for each other's ideas rather than closing it down and being narrow-minded to think that one person can dictate the beliefs that everyone should adopt. I love hearing that, and what a powerful statement. And my mind immediately goes to you know, how that statement ties in with what our clients are looking for in retirement. Absolutely. You know, I mentioned before that this idea that uh, our, our retirees are retiring to something. And I love sitting with, with clients and talking about what is your idea of retirement, okay? You want to retire on a sailboat in the Caribbean? Great. We'll help you figure out how to do it. Um, your dream is going back and forth between two homes and snowboarding? Great. Your dream might be to watch the grandkids, and that's great too. But really figuring out what's going to spark your passion. How are you going to add to humanity and our sense of community? How are you going to do that through your retirement? You know, we're really blessed, and I, I we always say we have the very best clients. Um, I really believe we do, but we work with such great people that really do want to. They want to add to community. They want to. They want to do something with their retirement. Um, so many of our retirees are traveling and, and widening, their, widening their horizons, but just as many are volunteering and sharing new passions, developing new passions, um, pouring into the younger generations. It's, it's really inspiring to watch. 
Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. And I think you do an excellent job of helping your clients know that retirement and capturing and retaining all that wealth isn't the only goal. Correct. It's not. It's not. I often, uh, I've, I've told many a clients, you know, what is this money for? And please answer that question because what is it for? And I always tell clients, if you don't spend it, your kids sure will. Mm-hmm. You know, they will spend it. So, you know, we're, we are a firm who encourages our clients to spend Obviously, within reason, because we want to make sure it lasts their lifetime and is there to protect them. But I, I want to see clients define what retirement looks like for them, because the joy of that first or second meeting after retirement, when they've started to see what the life is going to look like for them, that's, that's the best. That's the best feeling in the world. Yeah, I would agree. And then to sustain that joy and not just think about aches and pains, but to sustain the joy and fuel new ideas and opportunities. There's so much that our seniors have to give back to our world. It would be a shame to just put them on the shelf and say, now you sit there, Granny, and sit on that front porch. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, we're almost up with time today, Julie, but if if you were going to leave our our listeners with one, one tidbit, one your, your biggest piece of advice of what you would encourage um, retirees to do or to look at, what would you say? Well, again, I would go back to Eleanor Roosevelt because courage, it takes courage to mobilize. It's easier to stay home in the safety of what you know and protect your wealth for fear that it's, you're going to lose it all in a down market, which isn't the truth as mm-hmm. we know. So courage is more exhilarating than fear. And in the long run, it is easier. We do not have to be heroes overnight, just one step at a time, meeting each thing that comes up, seeing it as if, as seeing it not as dreadful as it appears, discovering we have the strength to stare it down. I love that. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Julie. I I so look forward to um, the next time we get to connect and I get to hear more about this upcoming trip. But thank you for sharing all of your experiences and your wisdom with us today. I hope that we've inspired you if you're listening to this program today to maybe try something new. Step out of that comfort zone as you start to think and redefine about what retirement's going to look like for you. Money Sense airs on Saturdays from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. and on Sundays from 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. If you enjoyed today's show and you want to learn more about EIG and our upcoming events, please visit ellenbecker.com or call us at 262-691-3200. As always, I hope that we've made a difference in your personal and financial well-being. Remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen.